Lord, we love you. We're grateful for resources. Lord, you've provided people, even in this community, with the skill to take ingredients, put them together. And when we eat it, we remember not only is it good, you're good. Lord, on a day like today, the sun is shining. Many of us are going to enjoy a long weekend. We get to stop. We get a break, many of us. And we get to thank you, Lord. You have been good to us. This room is a miracle story. The starting of this community is a miracle story. What you're doing here in this part of the world is a miracle story. Lord, we say thank you. And now you've given us a little bit of who you are so that we can think about you and live in your way. So Holy Spirit of God, teach us as we look at the scriptures now. In Jesus' name. Uh, amen. I love our church rhythm. I love it. I love the fact that we, we gather most Sundays two times, 9 and 11, but we, we mix it up every month to confuse you. No, to, to remind ourselves that church is a meal. It really is. And so once a month, first Sunday of the month, priority. You are the priority. We are the priority. So we mix it all up so that we can see one another. And hopefully get to know one another and love one another and take communion together. And to me, the high point is to celebrate baptism. We have a baptismal right here to your right. And I, I know of a couple of people, and I hope that you're included, whether you plan to get baptized in water or not. If you are a follower of Jesus, or today you choose to become one, the primary thing that Jesus' followers would do, you see it in the scripture, you see it in history, the primary thing is we choose to go Jesus' way. And Jesus began his work by going in the water and going under and coming up. And so his followers have a pattern if you've not yet been baptized. What a glorious day. You get a free meal afterwards. You can dry off in the sun and you can go home knowing I am going the way of Jesus. Not Jesus on my terms, but Jesus on his terms. So I encourage you, if you've not yet been baptized, we want to welcome you and invite you to be baptized this morning. Uh, Jada, who's over here, who's 11, is one of the two uh, young ladies who's expressing faith in Jesus in baptism. Well, what's so cool is I've known Jada since she was born, and I know their family, Jim and Jamie, and their other kids as well. And so today's a, a, a special, special celebration because someone I've known for 11 years is making a real mark to follow the way of Jesus. But faith, I've found over time, is a real tricky thing. It's possible to start really well, start really strong, start with a vibrant faith in Jesus, only to find it fizzle over time. Unfortunately, I've seen it. And if you don't believe me, just read the Bible. The scriptures are filled with the stories of real men and women, young and old. Some started really bad, encountered God, and the end of their story is glorious. Others knew God from a young age, and somehow the story twists and turns. And at the end of their life, it's destruction. It's failure. It's a, it's a real disappointment. So we know that faith is a beautiful thing, but it's also a tricky thing. I've seen it in, in my travels. About, uh, about 15 years ago, I did one of our first events in Europe and encountered a, a young lady, 16 years old, and she expressed faith in Jesus, almost no church background, had never read the Bible, but heard the story of Jesus, was so compelled, immediately said, I'm in. And we got her connected with a really good 
a strong church and her faith was grounded and she began to read the Bible and she was baptized. And by the time she finished high school, she was a leader in her church and she went off to university and was one of the most compelling voices for why anyone should follow Jesus. And every time I went back to that country, I invited her to come and to stand in front of groups in the thousands of people and, and share her story of how she didn't know God and she encountered God and she, she's following the way of Jesus and how important that is. And then as she became a leader in the church, graduating university, for some reason she shrank back from the leadership team a couple of years into it. And then a, a couple years later, shrank from even coming regularly. And then fast forward by the end of her 20s, uh, stopped going to church. And every time I go there, I stop, and we're still friends all these years. It, does, it hasn't stopped my friendship and our love and concern. She stayed at our house. She knows our kids. We know each other. Choke up moment early. <laughs> I don't plan it. But it happens when she's far. Kids, when you grow up and speak in front of people, Try to hold back the tears. <clears throat> but it kills me. Because, can I have a glass of water, someone? I'm already joked up. Um, uh, because you could start your faith really strong. Hey, thanks, babe. By the way, this is my wife, Carmen. Um, she doesn't... Uh, she doesn't like to come up on the stage, but she was forced to by her husband's own infantile ways. Uh, but you can start well and end poorly. Now, that is the drive behind our new series over the summer. We're going to look at Hebrews 11 because we want to develop and understand what faith is and what faith isn't. So over the next 13 weeks, we're going to look at the profiles of real people, men and women, young and old, from different parts of the world, living in different times of the world, who have all encountered a faith in God. That took them somewhere. Now, you're going to see, oh, thank you very much. I've got more, and I'm going to drown. Um, thank you. Anyone else? Something in a flavored water. No, just kidding. Uh, we want to we look at what faith is because even though the players change, their names are different, their stories are different, there's something that's commendable. Every single one of them we're going to see at the end of their life, God looks at them and says, yes. Like this is the kind of life. So God in his goodness didn't just tell us in abstract terms what faith is. He gives us real like flesh and blood. If you want to know what faith in God is like, you can look at the real lives of people so that when you see what they went through and how they broke through and ended up in good terms on God's side, in the right spot, you and I can live lives just like that. So all I want to do this morning before lunch is to set the groundwork and then next week and following we're going to build on it. What is faith? I mean, it's a word that people use all the time. And words are tricky, and I'm a word person. I do this for a living. Words need to be defined. It's not that words have meaning. It's that meaning has words. Concepts have words that describe them. So let me just use an example. The word pop. 
What is pop? Well, it's something that you could do to corn, right? You can pop corn. Is that what you were thinking? Probably, probably not. It could mean a drink. If you're on the West Coast, it's pop. If you're on the East Coast, it's soda, hands down. We go soda in our family. They're not allowed to say pop. It's just how we roll. But, but, but pop can be something you do to corn, but it could be describing a drink. Uh, it could be a description of a loved one, like your dad or your grandpa. It could be pop or pops. So the, so the word is defined by the situation around it. And so what we're going to see is that faith has all sorts of meaning to all sorts of people, but Scripture actually narrows down what faith means to us. I'm just going to throw up words from the dictionary. You look at faith and you look at synonyms, these are some different words you're going to get. Confidence, trust, reliance, conviction, belief, assurance, devotion, loyalty, faithfulness, commitment. When I say the word faith, do you think commitment or do you think simply to believe that something is true? You see, the word is defined. And in Scripture, we're going to look at what faith means. So in order to do that, I'm going to get back to a definition of faith in a little bit. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bible, turn there. We're actually going to read from the end of Hebrews chapter 10. But what is the letter called Hebrews? Because if you're new to the Bible, it's strangely titled. And if you read it, it's sometimes hard to understand. Hebrews is simply a letter. We don't know exactly who wrote it. They don't give their name. But we do know this. It was written to a group of people who had a Hebrew or Jewish, which are synonyms, background. But more than that, they become followers of Jesus and they join the church. We think that the letter was written about 30, 35 years after Jesus rose again. So most of the people never met Jesus, but they come from the same background as Jesus. They heard his message, they're following his way, they join the church, but then trouble comes. Have you found that to be true? You choose to follow Jesus, you, you choose to learn what's right and live in what's right, and then it doesn't go your, the right way. That's like... Everyone's story. Following Jesus doesn't mean everything goes well. It just means God goes with you wherever your trouble goes. And that is the story of faith. So these Jewish background Christians, they're persecuted to the point where they realize, you know what, maybe it's better if we just leave this thing. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if Jesus is who he says he is. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if his way is the best way. Maybe it's time to go back. Maybe it's time to leave the church and go back to the way we believed prior. And by the way, if you choose to follow Jesus, you'll be tempted in seasons throughout your life to go back. Back to your old way, back to your old life, back to your old thinking. It's a common story. And in this pressure, a letter is written. And here's the theme of the whole letter. Don't drift back. Draw near to God. Don't give up on Jesus. That's all of Hebrews. And what he does, and we're reading in the middle of it, is at the end of chapter 10, is he warns them. And then Hebrews 11 is a positive. You can either go, warning, Hebrews 10. Or you can emulate. You can follow this list of people in Hebrews 11. All right, end of chapter 10. We'll start in verse 32. It says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. 
Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. We don't know exactly what happened, but following Jesus meant something. And in their case, some of them, their property was taken away simply because they were following this renegade leader called Jesus. Some of them were put in a real prison, really beaten, really maligned, and they had done nothing wrong. Uh, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And here's the challenge. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised for, and then he quotes from Scripture, in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. In, in other words, Jesus promised to return. Jesus left, but he said, I'm preparing a place for you, and I'm coming back. So, so don't you think that you're alone, and don't you think this is the end? No, God is something bigger. God is something greater. The kingdom of God is coming, and Jesus is going to come and establish his kingdom here. And he's going to invite you, his followers, to rule with him and lead with him. And he's going to give you great, glorious opportunities in the age to come because you have chosen to follow him now. Look at your future. Don't you forget what God promised. He will not delay. And my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Jesus is watching. Jesus knows what's going on. And Jesus isn't pleased when he's promised you all this goodness himself. He promised to never leave you, never forsake you. He promised to give you his Holy Spirit who will be with you and in you, the counselor, the teacher, the comforter, the guide. You haven't been abandoned by God. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. That's the warning. You abandon God. You leave the faith. Oh, man. It's not a lighthearted thing to do. It has consequences. But we're those who have faith and are saved. So Hebrews 11 is now written. There's the warning. God's come, he's with you, he's for you. He's coming back, so this isn't the end of the story. And he's called us to endure. Whatever life uh, brings you, don't you forget, you belong to Jesus. You belong to the one who's greater. And Jesus even himself said, look, be of good cheer. In this world you're going to have trouble. What? I have, I've overcome. There's nothing that defeated Jesus. Therefore, in the end, nothing can defeat you. Hear me. Nothing can defeat you 1,000 years from now. Now, you can get beat up here on earth and you can suffer, and many of us do and will. But in the end, 1,000 years from now, you're on the right side. Do you have faith and believe that the God of the past and the God of today and the God of the future has got a hold of you and can bring you through? Oh, if you've ever struggled with faith like that, read Hebrews 11. What we're going to see is 19 times, 19 times in one chapter is this little phrase. It's one word in Greek, two words in English, by faith. This day, by faith. 
by faith, by faith. 19 times. And so the series is about this recurring word, 19 times. And like a good lyricist, you repeat a word to make a point, by faith, by faith. And if he's a good artist and puts together a good song, we should listen to the song, sing the song, know the song, remind ourselves of the song so that we can live out the song by faith. Now, Hebrews 11 doesn't tell us everything about faith. So if you're looking for a complete definition, you can't do that. Here's why. Again, it's not that words have meaning. Meaning has words. As authors use the word faith throughout the Bible, they mean different things at different times. Sometimes as you look at Scripture, faith is going to mean commitment. Sometimes it's going to mean trust. Sometimes it's, it's going to mean faithfulness. So you don't just say, this is what faith means every time you see it in the Bible. That's not how literature works. But what we want to do is look line by line in Hebrews 11. And today, we're just going to look at the first example of what it means to live by faith. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. And then we'll wait and look at the character studies starting next Sunday. You there? Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients, which is describing everyone in this uh, chapter, everyone in this chapter is already gone. Everyone in this chapter is a part of history. This is what the ancients were commended for. The first example, verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was Visible. What was seen was made out of what you can't see, which is, sounds like an oxymoron. Okay, well, here's what we learned about faith. Foundation, the whole series is built on these two ideas. Number one, write it down. Faith, biblical faith, is relational. It's relational. It's possible at times, especially in times of suffering, to wonder where God is. And there's nothing wrong. You can ask all day. God's not scared of our questions. Don't be afraid to come to God and say, man, where are you? Faith, though, by nature in Scripture is always tied to relationship. Remember, this is written to people who come from a Jewish background, a Jewish community. What did the Jews have that the Gentiles did not have? They had the Hebrew writings, the Scriptures what we call the Old Testament. So when they looked at God, they weren't looking at God as a concept. And the Romans and those outside of the Jewish faith, here was the challenge. The God or the gods, how would you know them? Well, it was various people with various opinions. But God gave his people more than an opinion. He gave them a revelation of himself. God told us what he's like. So, so all, all the writer is going to do is pull on faith defined by God. Faith according to what he has said about himself. And here's what we learn. What do the Old Testament teach us about faith? Faith is always relational. Now, I'm not going to geek out and go into Hebrew, but I can tell you this. The three most recurring Hebrew words, which the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, that talk about faith all can be translated this way. Trust, reliability, and faithfulness. Trust, reliability, and faithfulness. So faith in the Hebrew mind, not 
all the time, but most of the time, has to do with someone's reliability or someone's faithfulness. So the Jewish people are called to faith in Yahweh. Let me tease this out. Faith in Yahweh to them was not just like, I believe that you're there. Faith in Yahweh was trust in whatever he says. It was reliability in what he teaches. So if God says this, I'm going to do it because he's reliable. And here's the one that we forget about. Faith in Hebrew thought is faithfulness. To have faith in God means I want to live faithful to him. It's not just a mental thing. It's a way of life. Now, God's faith in his people is his faithfulness to his people. So God is always good when it comes to his people. And in response now, God says all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, because I have been faithful to you based on my reliability, will you believe me? And believe is not just, yeah, I go to church and I, I kind of try to listen to God's advice. No. It's God, you are and everything you are is right. Therefore, I'm putting my life under your guidance, your leadership. That is the Hebrew thought. A Hebrew scholar, Walter Brueggemann, puts it this way, and he's a top-notch scholar about faith in the Bible and in the Old Testament. Faith has less to do with particular ideas than it does with the integrity of a relationship. Only rarely does the Old Testament suggest that faith is this body of teaching that Israel is to, quote-unquote, believe. Trust, or faith, is a practice that entails obedience to Torah, which is the written word of God, the law, and its specific requirements. If you're a middle schooler, sorry, this is a quote with a guy for double PhDs, okay? Let me break it down, make it simple. Biblical faith is tied to a person. Biblical faith is always tied to a person, and in this case, it's tied to God. Let's look then again at Hebrews 11. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for in the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is tied to God. This is what the ancients were com commended for. They were commended for living in relationship to God, following his ways, not just tied to ideas, but the God of the ideas. So faith is described as assurance of things we do not see. How many of you saw God this morning? Yahweh, the creator of the universe, you saw him. If you did, you wouldn't be here. You'd be laid flat on your face in awe. You'd probably drop dead. Every person in the Bible who encounters a close presence to the living God says, God, please leave. I'm about to explode. Our view of God has gotten so small because our view of ourself has gotten so big. Let me repeat that. Our view of God has gotten small because our view of ourself has gotten big. And what I want us to discover as we look this summer in the middle of all our fun and, and excitement and vacation is to get a bigger view of God. So God says things about our future 
And everyone on this list heard what God said about their future and tied themselves closely to God. God says something about today and how I'm to live with one another, how I'm, li- how I'm to live with you, how you're to live with me, how I'm, a- how I'm to treat everything that God brings my way. God has said some real things about my real life right now. And everyone on this list has heard what God said and made an attempt to reorient their life to a Godward direction. See, the ancients are commended for living a certain way, living a God way. And my friend, that's what faith means. It's not about simply believing a set of facts. Although that's important. If you don't know who God is and what God has said and what God has done, well, what do you have to believe in? But God has given us who he is and what he said and what he's done. Now the question is, will I realign my life to who God is and what God has said and what God has done? That's biblical faith. Which at this point, if it sounds a little harder, that's a good thing. If it sounds a little more challenging, that's actually a good thing. Because biblical faith is more potent and powerful than cultural faith. Cultural faith simply says, believe something and go for it. And hope it works out. Biblical faith says God has shown us the best way. And if I live in God and go his direction, it will always be better, even if it's harder, even if the struggles are are more fierce, and even if I end this life with less. If I have God, I've got everything I need. Do you have that kind of biblical faith? It means I choose God in his way over every other Alternative. So what we're going to see this summer are the real life stories of people who went through the most gnarly situations and came out in the end closer to God as a result of it. And if you're going through challenges, challenges right now, that's the hope for you. Not that we just do a study about these people and learn some principles. That's good. But no, I pray that as we see Abraham and we see Enoch and we see Abel and we see Rahab and we see all the others we will see our story sitting inside their story and say, man, I want to live with conviction and faithfulness like that. Number one, faith is relational. It's about a person. And to say that I believe in God biblically means I want to live faithful to God. Doesn't mean I always do. Doesn't mean I don't mess up. But it means my heart is to live faithful to God. Not just know him from a distance, but to draw close. Second thought, or the second pillar that we're going to build this whole thing on, is faith is visible. Faith is visible. You can actually see it. You can put your eyes on it, so to speak. Look at verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Some people say, well, you know, I don't have faith, or I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where my faith is. Let me be clear. Everyone has faith. Every human being has faith. The, ma- the question is, what or who is your faith in? All of us are expressing faith. Where am I directing my faith? Well, we can see that everyone listed in Hebrews 11, we can see the results of their faith. It's not abstract. It's not ethereal. It's real. You can put eyes on it. God has a track record of faithfulness. See, 
our faith is in God who is faithful. Here's the good news. God has got a track record. He's laid it out. If you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is open your eyes to see what he has done. Based on what God has done, do I see that as reliable? What I've learned about God, is God reliable? Is God trustworthy? Is God faithful? If so, all of the ancients are commended for simply lining themselves up with a God who's faithful. They're not more intelligent. They're not more resourceful. They're not richer than anyone else. They're not super special. Everyone on the list, Rahab is a prostitute. Where does that line up with the social status in any culture? Not high on the list. Yet even Rahab is in the line of people like Moses and Abraham. You see, faithfulness to a God who's faithful elevates anyone. So what we want to do is, is see that faith is it's, it's visible. Now, here's the unique thing about God and the reason we follow him and we don't follow our own ideas. If you want to create a meal, what do you do? You want to create lunch like that, what, what you hopefully enjoyed. You want to create a meal, what do you do? You take ingredients that are... And you simply put them together, right? Is that how you make a meal? Some of you are like, no, I go to a drive-thru and I, I, I... Well, okay, assuming, assuming you're going to make a meal, you, do you take ingredients that don't exist? No. Everything you put... Because if you do, that's just weird and you need to see somebody. You take things that are and all you do is repurpose them. You reshape them, you cut them, you chop them, you cook them, whatever you, you do. That, that's how you make something. Now, if you want to make slime... What do you do? If you're not into slime making, what do you, what's wrong with you, okay? Slime's all the rage. If you, want to, if you want to make slime, you just get glue and put some borax and water and food coloring and your most special thing. And there's various ingredients. My daughter is an expert. We got slime all over the place. You want slime? Come to our house. But it's, it's making slime, which is actually quite exciting, is simply taking ingredients that are there and chemistry works so that it becomes something new. Okay, that's how you make slime. God's creation. So I can create a meal. I can make slime. Here's what I cannot make. I can't make things that don't exist. And neither can you. By faith, we believe that God created everything even though, though we don't see it. So God makes everything out of nothing. Do you follow God? Where does it begin it actually doesn't begin with, with Enoch and Abel and Abraham and Moses and all these characters. What the writer does is takes us to the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. What does it mean to have faith in the God of Scripture? It means to believe that He is unique in that God is the only being, and I use that word in a holy sense, that can create things out of nothing. Read Genesis 1 and 2. To, to have faith in God is to say that there's no one like him and there's no one before him and anything that is, is because of him. He is the source of everything. And so I'm not talking about just a faith in Jesus, the Son of God. I'm talking about a faith in the God who makes everything. Now, do you believe that God made it all and that he is the source of all life? 
Now you say, well, no, well, I, I, I've taken a few science classes. I know how the world was made. Now I want to be clear. Following and believing in God doesn't mean we negate science. It doesn't mean we don't value science. It simply means that we see science as the exploration of everything that has been made. That's all science is. It's observing what has been made. What science cannot do, and this is a philosophical thought, what science cannot do is investigate things that have not been made. Science requires that it's there. Guess what? God can take nothing and speak something. So I am all for science as long as it comes under God. And the moment you elevate science and the observable universe above a God who's above all observable things, you're going to get in trouble. And you're going to believe that the observable is more important and more valuable and more worth following than the one who made everything you can see. See, faith in God is about being awakened to the one who made it all and he loves us and he's given it to us and we're jacking it up. So actually, faith in God is also going to mean I care for what God has made. See, God defines our reality. God defines our past. God guides our today. And God gives us glimpses of the future. So let's just apply this. What does faith look like? Faith in a God who creates everything means he has given you time. Time is a construct made by God. God exists out of time because he made it. Mind blow. I don't get that. I can't even grasp the whole idea of a beginning and an end. I can't grasp of things outside of time because I'm in time. It's like a fish in water. Doesn't he understand what it's like to hike a mountain where there is no water? A fish is in water. And so all it knows is its reality. It doesn't understand that you're dropping a line and you're going to eat it. You know, like, it doesn't even get that. Because it's just in its space. So in the same way, God, God is beyond who we will ever be. But he does put us in time and he gives us time. So let me ask you, what does it look like for you to use God's time? See, faith in God means that he's given you a certain amount of days and years. What are you going to do with them? Faith in God means he's given us abilities. God creates. He creates everything. He creates the universe. He creates the stars. He creates you and me uniquely in his own shape, in his image. What is God like? In one crazy way, he's like us. Now, don't misunderstand me. Oh, he's above. But he made us in his likeness. So there's elements of me that just come from the character of God. All right. So if he's given me abilities, how am I going to use them? What am I going to do with them? Am I going to use them based on his reliability, his trustworthiness? Am I going to take the things that come from him anyway and use them in a way that makes him happy? Am I going to take this stuff and, and put it at his, at his hand and say, God, here's my life. What do you want me to do with your time and your stuff? Or am I just going to fill my time and my life with me? This is faith, my friends. This is faith in God, faith in the real world. What about the people? God's put you with other people. Do you know you're not alone? Literally. There are people all around you. 
And you may feel alone, and loneliness is a very real emotion, and I get it, and we want to connect in deeper ways, but you have been put around people. How are you going to treat them? Do you know faith in God has to do with how you treat people? Well, I thought it was just like, no, no, me and Jesus. No, 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 no. You, Jesus, and the human race. So God has put you in a place with people so that you could treat them a certain way and not treat them a certain way. And your faith in God shows up in the way you treat people. Wow, I wish that weren't true. But it is. He's giving you opportunities. You have unique opportunities that I don't get. I have opportunities that you don't get. How do we use them? See, faith is about everyday life. Write this down. Biblical faith is about knowing God and following him in all of life. Biblical faith is about knowing God and following God in every dimension. That's why looking at faith is so important. Because some of us assume faith is just one part of my life. I've got my work life, I've got my family life, I've got my money life, I've got my fun life, and then I got my faith life. That is ridiculously convenient and complete nonsense. You are you. Wherever you go, your faith will be expressed. And either we're going to grow in elevating God and his faithfulness in our life, and I'm going to put myself under God's leadership, or I'm going to make life about me. God's going to get bigger in your life, or you're going to get bigger. One of the two. And so this summer, we want to have like a God-shaped life. And obviously that comes through Jesus, and that will come as the weeks come on. Now, why is this important? I'll look at the end. We'll skip. Hebrews 11, and let's end with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I'll put it on the screen for time. This is why these character studies are so important. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a.k.a. all the people we're going to look at, since we have their life, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, which is a fantastic phrase. It doesn't take me a lot of effort to get into trouble. Trouble's looking for me. It doesn't take that, it doesn't take much to get me off. But let us throw off those things that tangle us up and let us run with perseverance. What a great metaphor. Run the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So we're all facing challenges and some of you are in the middle of, of one right now. We're facing Difficult circumstances, difficult people, different, difficult emotions, difficult memories. We're all facing stuff. But we can choose to focus on those things. Hear me. This is faith. In light of all the mess, I choose to focus my eyes on Jesus. And who Jesus is and his faithfulness to me. And what Jesus does and how Jesus changes everything. And it doesn't mean the stuff isn't there. Great runners are tired and hungry and depleted, but they've been able to focus on their time, on their heart rate, on the amount of time left in the race, and it is that focus that gets them through with joy. My friend, the writer of Hebrews tells us, Abraham and Moses and, and all of these other people 
are not our focus. Jesus is our focus. They were in relationship to God, but now in Jesus we see the fullness of God in bodily form, and I know exactly what God is like because I have seen Jesus, not physically, but I've heard his teachings, I've seen his actions, and I know that he's faithful. So as I keep my eyes on Jesus, and you keep your eyes on Jesus, we will grow as a people of faith. People who know God because he's relational and act in a way that pleases God because your faith is visible. So we want to grow in that even in the next few weeks. Today, though, our invitation is to Jesus. By the way, every week our invitation is to Jesus. And the second there's an invitation to anything other than Jesus, send me away. We are a people who realize Jesus is the center of our worship because Jesus is the center of life itself. And if I know him and he knows me, then I will be different. So the good news is Jesus is waiting to come and take care of those circumstances and situations and bring you closer to the life that he intended. And he wants to do it even today. Three responses out of this. So there's lots of things that you can do. This is just the foundation. It's going to get better and better and better as we look at the nuances of each life. But if we know that faith is relational, right, and it's visible, in other words, it's not some hidden thing. I actually can see it by the way I live. Point blank, are you following Jesus? Are you? If you are, God is going to use this to shape you and make you even more effective in your following of him and more useful in the community that we live in. Are you following Jesus? The first response is to actually keeping our eyes on Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith. It starts with following him. So if not, as we worship, the first response is to say to God what he already knows. You made me. He already knows that. I've kind of gone my own way. He is fully aware of everything that we've done. And he still loves us and he accepts us and he brings us in. And then we repent. We say, okay, God, I've been doing my own thing, but today I'm going to go your way. And whatever it is that Jesus teaches, I want that. Whatever it is that Jesus brings, I want that. I want you. And if you want to follow Jesus, you can right here, right now, straight up, you can follow him. And even now in your seat, you can just say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds just to clear the deck. Some of you, like you want to... But it's, it's okay to struggle. Like, I don't know where it starts. Deep thought. It starts at the beginning where I say to God, I need you. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Close your eyes if that helps. Keep your eyes open. Frankly, it doesn't make a difference. God knows. But if you need to make things right with God, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to be quiet. And you just, in your own way, whisper it, yell it, cry it, whatever. Make peace with God right now.